Welcome to Coming Out Evil. I'm Harley Honey. And I'm Mick Sedusa. Join our Descent into Villainy. Welcome back, evildoers. Hello, it's another edition. Woo! Very exciting. I am very hyped for today's episode. <laughs> I'm always hyped for an episode, but I'm very hyped for today's episode. <laughs> Today, we're also celebrating my birthday. Yeah, Harley birth. We celebrate that. Cue the Kermit arms. Yeah. <laughs> no, very exciting. 25th birthday for Harley. Yeah. I'm going to give them their gifts soon. I'm so, I might be more excited than they are. But <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm sure I've just been annoying about wanting to give them to you so I'm, I'm just very excited the time has come I appreciate the excitement <laughs> yes 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 so a lot of things to celebrate this week and today we are going to be discussing our hot takes yes, bow, bow, bow. they are white hot takes they are controversial takes they are going to be a lot of fun to talk about and discuss and we're going to get into it you want to kick us off Birthday person. <laughs> birthday person. Birthday person. <laughs> so, my first hot take is empathy is less important than compassion. Oh, <laughs> they weren't ready for it. So, I feel like I've talked about this before on the podcast. So, just to kind of sum it up in case you're a new viewer, I am autistic. I'm a low empathy autistic person. So, I literally like struggle to have that skill. And I do think that. For people it can be a skill this is all on a spectrum spectrumy things mm-hmm. but i think that compassion is just a much more reliable resource to pull from because you can be compassionate to experiences that you've never had before and also empathy can be a barrier to like proactive action right because if you are also feeling this person's feelings and can truly like empathize with them to that extent then it can become inadvertently a little self-centered because you are gonna project your own needs and ideas and desires onto the situation that you're in so definitely a lot to think about there yeah Yeah, absolutely and i know like us talking about it has been very illuminating i know i've always had some beef with the whole idea of people who claim to be impasse mm-hmm. and I say this as somebody who also low-key identified that way or like mm-hmm. knew it, or is like highly empathetic sensitive whatever a highly sensitive person right and it's just like okay one recognizing it is a skill mm-hmm. a skill we learn through trauma and then also like I don't know more often than not I think it's just people wanting to be like there was a reason I went through these things and trying to make sense of the trauma when it's like those were just skills we had to learn and like they're not necessarily healthy skills like yeah also also with i feel like self-identified empaths there's the fact that you are not truly feeling this person's feelings like you you think you are it is the sensation of that or the illusion of that but at the end of the day you can't get inside someone's head and know for sure how they're feeling and i feel like i've had it happen a lot that empaths have asserted that I've been feeling a way that I don't feel, especially since I have a flatter affect. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of autistic people who have flat affects have spoken on this, that it's really difficult because empaths will be like, oh, you're angry, you're feeling feeling 
frustrating. It's like, I'm just sitting here. Right. Literally just sitting here. <laughs> it's literally just projection. And yeah. it's, it's literally just, like, trying to anticipate somebody's needs. It's literally projection and you think it's a skill. Yeah. Like, being an empath is different than being an empathetic person, okay? Using the facts that you have had an experience that is similar to someone else's as an opening point for conversation with someone who needs support, I think that's fine. But literally claiming that you can tell what people can, are feeling, no. despite them not telling that information to you, is wild. Right. Don't do that. And I think also the fact that, like, people will claim that social movements or, like, compassion or just things like that in general require empathy. And it's like, no, that's not true. There are people who are capable of being kind and respectful of, like, what people need and want with different experiences without having to put themselves in their shoes. Like, the fact that you feel like you have to be able to be be like, oh, what would this be like for me? is like, wild. You're right. It is a very self-centered situation. So Mm -hmm. speak on it. (laughs) Yeah, your turn. Alright. Pumpkin spice hate is just misogyny. Oh, interesting. Do you want to elaborate? I do. (laughs) I actually did a whole presentation on this in college. Basically, it's just let girls enjoy things. Like, it's literally (laughs) that. Like, the the glorification of bacon is also, like, the the support of things that are male-dominated, thinking that everybody's into it. Like, it's the same situation. Like, two sides of the same coin. Who doesn't like bacon? Vegetarian. I'm sorry, that's not the point. But that doesn't mean they don't like bacon. Not eating bacon is not liking bacon. That's, that's valid. Different. Who doesn't like bacon? That's fair. Even you told me that you think bacon smells delicious. Okay, that's true. But what I'm saying is... <laughs> I'm sorry, I just love meat. <laughs> no, that's real. That's real. But it's the expectation that everybody's going to enjoy this thing mm-hmm. versus... Like, ew, that's so overhyped. And it's like, is it really? Oh, it's... like an assumption everyone's going to want to eat bacon? Yeah. Ah. And just like the glorification of male-dominated things in general being like an American pastime. Like, everybody's going to enjoy this, right? Where it's like, mm. versus pumpkin spice, where it's like, I don't know, five girls like it. And everybody's like, ugh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that one's a little more of a jokey joke. But also worth investigating, because like. That is fair. Yeah. But. I mean, they're, it's also the same spices that go in sweet potato pie, too. So it's like, I'm, I'm here for both. Pumpkin and sweet potato on your recipe for sweet potato Oh, that's, that's Like, true. I don't personally like pumpkin spice, but that's I don't right. like the combination of flavors. That's, that's valid. That's valid. Yeah. yeah, just autumnal spices as a whole. Like, I love them. They're that girl. <laughs> Stop hating them. <laughs> but don't get your pumpkin spice at Starbucks. Yes, Make we it are. Home. You can literally die the spice. Yes, <laughs> exactly buy that. The spice. And then maybe you'll get girls that way too. That's you can true. lure them with pumpkin spice. I literally bought an oat milk pumpkin spice creamer. It's some of the best shit I've ever had in my life. Yes. And now I don't have to spend money whenever I want one. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't understand why men don't take the W when girls like something simple and easy. Like, you could make your girlfriend happy with, like, a season. It's crazy. Why are you not taking that easy win? You're being (laughs) upset because it's simple. Like, I feel like that's, like, the root of it because you start seeing pumpkin spice everywhere at a certain time, and that can be annoying. But, like, it's so so simple. And also, you can can ban 
words on Twitter. If you're that upset, <laughs> you can ban words and phrases. And Honestly. You, you don't have to see any mentions of pumpkin spice you don't want to see. That's true. Literally leave women alone. Yeah. <laughs> to enjoy the things they enjoy. <laughs> exactly. I rest my case. <laughs> okay. My next hot take is even ADHD is not a suitable excuse for not messaging your friends back or being flaky on plans. Because oh! I'm tired of it, okay, y'all? I, I feel like I see it so often that people will literally use their disability that they have. So I feel like disrespecting that sanctity, but, mm-hmm. like, will literally use this as an excuse for not being a consistent friend. And I understand that it poses a barrier, right? As someone who also has ADHD, it poses a barrier. But it really is as simple as, like, when you think of your friend, send them a message. Mm -hmm. Start associating the thought of them with the action of sending them a message. You can work on that. Like, you have control over making yourself not like this, please. Right. Also, you can say no to plans. Fun fact, you can just not have made the plan in the first place, and then you're not flaking on anybody. I feel like people with ADHD have a tendency to overestimate their capacity in a way that is just unacceptable. Okay, you're burning yourself (laughs) out, you're burning your friendships out, your calendar is a mess. Say you're not available. Oh my god, (laughs) who hurt you recently? What happened? I've been hurt all my life. Oh my god! (laughs) Yeah, valid. Yes, thank you. (laughs) No, that's so fucking real. And, like, I know that, like, you know, there's, like, people who talk about people with ADHD don't experience friendship degradation, or Mm -hmm. is that the term? But literally, I've had friends go a whole year without talking to me. I'm like, you didn't think about me once in a year? Now I'm moving. Like, I gotta go. Like. Yeah. And I get it, honestly. There are people who I don't talk to often who I feel just as close to as people I talk to very frequently. But that's because these friendships require different levels of maintenance. Yeah. If this is a person who I know they're going to feel unloved if I don't message them, I'm going to message them. <laughs> you, have, you have to think about more than yourself. Have you considered? Right. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just me. And I feel like even friends I'm like not super close to, I'll sometimes just be like, I haven't seen them pop up on Facebook in a minute. I'm going to message mm-hmm. them. Like, it's like, and like, sometimes we'd even get to a point where it's like, okay, like, I almost trained myself to every two months or something, I would check in on friends mm-hmm. that I hadn't heard from in a while, right? Like, it's like, I don't know, there's just, there's ways around it. Like, yeah. you're entirely right. It's not excuse. When I was freshly out of college and I was noticing it was kind of harder to keep in touch with people because there were fewer organic opportunities to connect, I wound up literally sending, setting just calendar reminders. Like, mm-hmm. I looked through my Facebook messages, I looked at everybody I messaged, and I just set a different reminder for each of them. I also did a similar thing with, like, asking for support, because I was in, like, a big crisis at this point in time, too, and so I also had, like, a rotation of who to text when I needed to talk. Mm. But yeah, list making. Lists are great. Make a list. Very true. Make three lists. As many as you want. Also, also, with the scheduling thing, like, you're right, the overextending capacity or overestimating it is a big issue and something I know I've recommended between like whenever I'm making plans with people is like make plans but 
make it very clear that you will confirm the day of. If you're really that unsure, like being like, let's make tentative plans for this day, I will confirm the day of. If that is like where you're at, then do that. But otherwise, just say no or just make plans closer to time. Cause like, yeah, eh, yeah I don't know what else to tell you, but like. And do clarify that when you say you'll confirm the day of, you mean that the plans are tentative still until yes. then. Because otherwise that could create misunderstanding. Like, For be sure. very clear right. in your communication. Yeah. Be like, I would love to do this. I will let you know how I'm feeling that day. Yes. Like, and that that's, I feel like that's one of the best ways i found around it. Because, like, if you're struggling to estimate your capacity correctly, just giving yourself that room and being transparent about it is going to be your best friend. But Yeah, exactly. Be honest. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you all are ready for this one. I feel like I'm about to walk up like with a target on my chest, like in front of a field. But noodles go in chili. Oh my god. Noodles fucking go in chili. Okay. Noodles <laughs> go in chili. <laughs> Being louder doesn't make you correct. Yes, it does. <laughs> You're just outvoted on this one. I feel that like... is not true. That is geographical racism. Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is noodle gerrymandering. Of course I'm outvoted here. The lines have been drawn against me. Noodleism. Yeah. Noodles go in chili. I'm a noodleist. <laughs> wow. I thought we had an understanding that we were aligned and the values important to us if we're gonna make it through this life together i just because okay i don't think it's compatible with how i eat chili the noodles just feel like they'd get in the way of the experience it's it's okay I'll, outline point, your chili just experience make, just make pasta and meat sauce at that point no but you just want <laughs> spaghetti no what no spaghetti. it's different it's You do not put crackers over spaghetti. And it's different. Just riddle me this, okay? <laughs> we can't eat gluten. What is the pasta made out of? Not all pasta is made out of gluten. Uh, excuse me. I, what is our pasta? Objection! Normally, Objection! Assuming Leading the witness! You're assuming the point <laughs> I'm trying to make and you're really wrong. Okay, so what, what's the question again? What is our pasta made of? Grains. What kind of grain? It depends. Uh, there's rice, corn. Usually those are the top two. The pasta in the cabinet is made of lentils, McSedusa. Oh, It is what? made of beans. Okay, that, it I don't have it. Okay, beans. objection. I don't know Most nothing about no lentil pasta. Most of gluten-free pasta that we have in the cabinet right now are made of lentils. Well, whose fault would that be? <laughs> I'm not saying it's a problem. I'm just saying you're, you have a bowl of chili. It has beans in it. And then the noodles are also beans. I've never once bought gluten-free bean pasta in my life. It's You, you so have. A no. gluten-free pasta is made of lentils. No, the pasta I buy is corn and rice flour. Okay, the pasta Korea. you buy, but the pasta you eat, the pasta I've fed you is often lentil pasta. Ah! No, I've been, I've, this is entrapment, your honor. Entrapment! <laughs> entrapment! This is entrapment! I was under Which the understanding. It works, yeah. <laughs> I have watched too much Shonda Rhimes to be trapped up like this. Absolutely not. I thought I was eating American made rice and corn pasta. <laughs> 
why you put in chili. This has not anything to do with my conversation. I rest my case, Your Honor. <laughs> why can some pasta not go in chili then? That's not my problem. People you make are people consistent. You people are consistent. make zucchini pasta. You're not gonna put that in chili, okay? Why not? I'm not doing it. I'm not. You do what you want, but Where I'm not it doing it. Where does it end? I'm just saying noodles can and do belong in chili. Whenever a logic system is inconsistent like this, I'm confused. Where it's inconsistent? What do you mean it's inconsistent? Because why can some noodles not go in chili? Sure. You're claiming okay. noodles go in I'm chili. I'm saying it's not. But I, now I, I, only I, I, a specific kind of noodles oh go in chili. I'm saying <laughs> it's not my preference. You can do whatever the fuck you will, but I'm not doing it. It's and not it's your not preference. It's not the preference, and, and it's, it's also not my preference to put noodles in chili. What, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it should be allowed and stop getting hate. Okay. If you are saying that it is absolutely not allowed to put noodles in chili, it's not chili that is classless and i will stand on that look if you have the audacity to be wrong <laughs> then you should have the cojones to take the licks <laughs> what licks what licks these <laughs> <laughs> well y'all don't see it's harley squaring up behind the microphone this is crazy oh my god see okay what i don't like is now people are imagining zucchini and lentil pasta with chili what i wanted to sell was the best like chili mac situation like homie pasta situation because like you use the pasta to stretch it out that's a very common like lower class thing to make food stretch out so i just that's the version I'm advocating for. You can do whatever the fuck you want at home, but I'm saying that it should not get hate and a complete embargo on noodles and chili. Do you think your ancestors wanted the noodles and the chili? Yes! I am you from the Midwest! You don't for the noodles and the oh chili? Oh my god, it's delicious. I'm not I'm not doing this. <laughs> Just want spaghetti. No, I don't! No! You don't put crackers over spaghetti! It's different. No, I don't. Italians do. Well, Italians are wrong. No. <laughs> I'm not starting beef with Italians on this podcast. I'm sorry, Antonio. That means a way to get ratings. <laughs> Italians are wrong. Who is Antonio? I don't even know. I've lost the plot entirely. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. My next one. There's a difference between having goals and being consumed by everything you're not. Whoa. Whoa. Uh. I don't really know that I need to elaborate. Uh. <laughs> I need to go cry, but thank I, you. I do feel like a lot of people in my life have this problem. And like me too, this is still something that I work on. Like having a lot of thoughts about the things that I'm not and using that to inform my goals. But the thing is that like, I don't know that those should be like so connected and the fact that it becomes consuming definitely means something's wrong, right? Like, <laughs> we were having a good time, Harley. <laughs> Why you did this? Because, like, oh, dang, the only example I can think of is you. Do it! Do it! <laughs> okay, so take you, for example. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Does the viewership know that you're thinking about going back to school for music? Have we ever mentioned that I don't think before? so. So Mick Sedusa has thought about going back to school for music. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like, I feel like 
the ambivalence, like not being able to just firmly be like, yes, this is my plan. I will do this the next time. This is how I'm going to do this, whatever. Like the ambivalence and barrier to making a plan is maybe the reasoning behind it not being like a goal, but being like a trying to fill in for something that you're not because mm. Mixedusa, you originally dropped out of your four-year program that you were in. You weren't studying music, but like still. So I feel like sometimes the way I hear you talk about going back to school is like centered on trying to recover that experience instead of like something to serve like the version of you now mm -hmm. who like why does this version of you want to be going to school no you that's know? that's real i hear what you're saying like i do see where some of those undertones get carried through the through line i do think when i think about the fact i'm if i'm going back to school for music period i'm like mm -hmm. that feels very much aligned with who i am now and as yeah. like like you know what i mean like the fact that that is like a, a non-starter feels very like major to me i think also though i in general i do just struggle knowing what i want and i think you're right like it is very much like a there's a lot of things that i feel like i am at a deficit and like feel like i need to change all these things about myself to be a good person a good partner a good like coworker, a good whatever musician like but i don't actually know what i want to do or be yeah. like it, it is very hard for me to wrap my head around it so it, it is yeah, I don't know. It, it is uh, definitely a lot to unpack. But you're right. Like, I do think it does feel like sometimes, like, something was taken from me and, like, wanting to heal that. But I do think, like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> something to chew on. And I think all these things exist on a spectrum. Yeah. Like, in a general sense, I think there's a difference between saying, like, you know, I want to be a good partner because you want to stop feeling like a bad partner or say like pinpointing the things you think you know you might want to change and like making that a goal like yeah. um, a random example like I want to start raising my voice less often like mm -hmm. less frequently I think that that'd be a reasonable goal as opposed to the like kind of ominous just I want to be good yeah. Like, what does it mean? That's fair. Like, in what ways do you think you're not good? I feel like it's very focused on that. That's true. And I think it's also, like, a conflation of... I know for me, like, I'll have a conflation, too, of, like, I am my symptoms. My symptoms are me. We are one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or, like, my feelings are me and my fe and I am my feeling. Like, all those things. So it's, like, you're right. Like, if you're, like, oh, I want to be a good person. How do I do that? I need to change this about myself. And it's, mm -hmm. like, if you feel, like you doing this thing is so inherent to your personality like that's gonna be rough versus just the, something you want to improve on because yeah you know, that just feels better right so like yeah no it's real i think i also like there's this quote i saw somewhere where it literally addresses the saying you are both a a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time but it is very hard when you feel like you're constantly a work of progress and it's like, oh, is the version of me now worthy? Yeah. <laughs> like, the love that I'm giving this future version of myself. Like, can you love yourself while you're working on the thing? And that's no. very hard journey. <laughs> I also think when thinking about journey, like, you're not on the hero's journey, mm -hmm. you know? Like, you're not a protagonist in a book. As much as it's easy to think about yourself that way, Yeah you're not on a journey to fix all of your fatal flaws like that's not what's happening here you're living a whole life 
So I think that there's also that just stories don't really show, like the stories that we read, I don't think show an honest vision of what people go through emotionally when they develop, like even the best character development. It's still all designed for entertainment, right? So there's just this standard arc that heroes or protagonists or what have you go on. And it's not realistic. That's not how the real meat space functions. <laughs> Very true. The electric meatballs work a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. But okay, sorry. This is the last thing. This is just such a fascinating thing, like that you've brought up. That I'm just like, wow. Like this really deserves a lot of time. So I had a friend who I'm no longer friends with anymore, but I do remember her saying something at one point about like how it's not our job to constantly be looking for something to fix or constantly be like making sure we're living up to our values that's what community is for like that's what people around you to call you in is for you're supposed to just exist and do what you need to and what you want and like of course like do your best but like that is too big of a job for any one person to watch mm-hmm. for every single flaw every single like spot they might be failing like that'll make you obsessed and it'll make you like not be able to even live your life because you're like constantly feeling like you're having to improve or like having to focus on all these things and not actually doing what you want but just worried about the harm you may or may not cause and can sometimes lead you to being passive and not doing anything so like really trusting that other people are going to want to be a part of that journey and that you don't have to worry about not messing up so much that you don't do anything (laughs) or like you know yeah just giving yourself room to exist and not feel like you have to constantly change yourself in order to be loved is major (laughs) so makes sense i feel like i half agree Mm. i don't like putting that responsibility on community as a solution that's fair because i don't think that other people are responsible like i do think that people are responsible for themselves at the end of the day yeah i think that like how much you think you're responsible for your fellow man is an individual choice yeah and i do think that it can go to an obsessive place but i also worry that people lack self-awareness sometimes and that is important like you do have to still be self-aware and you can be self-aware without being constantly criticizing yourself yeah or waiting for other people to criticize you like you can sit in contemplation in what you can change very true i also think this is where oh but that's actually a hot take for later let me not oh Remember to hit the subscribe button. So, on a different note, but <laughs> Elsa in Frozen is an aromantic icon. More so than a lesbian icon, I would argue. Oh. I think a lot of people really latched onto the idea that she's a lesbian mm-hmm. because there's no man, but it's like, there's no anything. <laughs> there's <Fair>. not, there's <laughs> nobody. And I'm tired of the aromantic erasure, frankly, because like, mm. that... That is spicy. Yeah, because like hello (laughs) like would i love elsa to be a lesbian sure i'm not saying that that can't happen but i'm also saying that like let's not assume this person's even alloromantic why stop there like (laughs) uh the fact that y'all think she needs anybody in general is i don't i don't know let's like that was the whole point of that whole movie was to a whole the whole movie was aromantic like that's true it did feel like in trying to make a movie about sisterhood and friendship they did make very much an aromantic anthem yes and so it's like when people are like ah oh my god lesbian icon i'm like this feels forced y'all are forcing this and i'm not here for it like to the point of erasure for aromantic and i don't like it thank you
No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Because I've heard, a, I always hear people say that, and I don't ever know the logic because it's not like she has a lesbian love interest or none sexual tension with any femme characters. Literally in the second movie, she becomes a force of nature. Like, yeah. she's not even human by the second movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's True. just like, can we stop? Can we stop? Okay. My next one is, tone policing is a term that should only apply to black femmes. Oh! Who's using it on non-black femmes? Everyone! Oh, my God. I'm, I'm asking, not as an accusatory, like, what are you talking about? I'm asking, I want to talk. Like, <laughs> that's, oh, my God. Because I feel like people heard that term and started just being like oh it's like whenever someone is policing your tone tone policing is a very specific phenomenon that happens to black women where our tone gets misconstrued because people are going to assume that we are angry assume that we're irrational and disregard the things that we say and that happens to everybody to some extent sure i know (laughs) you're i know you're saying that right now but it happens to black women bad. Right. Real bad. Right. And you don't have that experience, so you can't even begin to wrap your head around how bad it is. You just need to believe us. Ooh. Like, that's just it at the end of the day. You just need to believe us that it's, like, so much worse by such a high magnitude that you have no business, no business equating your experience mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Very true. That's out on that. Like I don't yeah. I don't even think there's anything Period. to add to that. Like Period. You can say you feel misunderstood because I also feel like mm. I hear people be like, but then what will I say instead? Feel yeah. like you weren't heard. This person misunderstood you. You don't feel listened to or accommodated. You feel disregarded. Like maybe, there are so many things you can say. Right, maybe gaslit even. Yeah. But tone police is very specific. Mm-hmm. Very specific. <laughs> All right. I was very bored and kind of disappointed in Bill Nye's climate change video that went viral. Oh, I don't know if I've seen that. Should we oh. live react? Is it long? I don't think so. Let me see if I can find it. Okay, so we just watched it. Yeah, and he basically is just cursing. He's talking about how high emissions are and how many degrees everything's gone up, whatever. But he's like being really mean about it, like calling us idiots. Like He's like, you're not kids anymore, you fucking idiots like grow up it's like why are you being mean it's giving audience confusion because are you yelling at gen pop or are you yelling at conservatives yeah literally could not tell you literally could not tell you also his fans are not gen pop like his fans are gonna skew slightly liberal right so it's like who are you talking to you're not talking to the people who need to be convinced that climate change is a problem you don't need to be calling us idiots Right. We're not the idiots. You're not talking to the idiots. And literally, the fact he was on John Oliver's show, is that not, like, a left-leaning... Yeah. So, like, who are you talking to? But, yeah, and it's just, like, people love the video so much, and they were all talking about it, and it's like, okay, yeah, this, like, childhood icon cursed. Ha-ha, hee-hee. And it's like, but mm-hmm. climate change, for me, is just a little too serious to be yelling at, like, individual people who literally can't do anything versus the 90% of carbon emissions from the u.s like yeah sorry i think that number 70 percent, but uh, you know the vast majority yeah honestly the thing i want to say is probably going to get me in trouble so i won't 
Do it. I can always cut it. <laughs> there, oh. are, there are solutions to climate change that we're not ready for. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, that's just like you have so much not only social capital, but money capital. Like, Mm -hmm. you need to be go lobbying and yelling at the people who can actually do something, not people watching this liberal... And I remember saying this on Facebook and people arguing with me about it. They're like, he's not that rich. I'm like, he's much richer than me, like... Yeah, he also has more access to people who can actually, like, do something. Literally. Or at least has access to an audience whom he could accurately identify and gets to help and support him literally so i just i'm not a fan of it i'm not a fan of it and i'm not a fan of things in general like the emphasis on recycling for example like i feel like that's also very much trying to put it on individual responsibility and also Mm. like recycling in this country is done so piss poorly like yeah there's two other actions in the phrase reduce reuse recycle reduce and reuse and people don't focus on those enough like there's just so many things that I just, I'm, if climate change is this fucking serious, then treat it that way. Because this is not it. I'm just, anyway. Speak on. <laughs> Glad to have validation finally. Having somebody watch it and be like, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, it was so mean. I felt so gaslighted during that time. Everybody was just like, oh my god, what a great video. I'm like, where? Show me the video. It's the great video in the room with us. Like, Okay. My next one is all femmes must be Ooh. I don't think the word femme can apply to you if you're straight. That's not correct. The, like, that's not it. No. I'm sorry. No. No. Case closed. I just I don't even if you the girls who get it get it. Yeah. And the girls who don't don't. Femme is inherently queer. Literally. That's it. And if you just if you just think about it for a moment, like, what could you mean if you're femme and you're straight? What are yeah. you trying to communicate yeah. by not saying woman? Yeah. Like, I guess th- there are small edge cases where I could imagine someone's right. logic. But, like, come on now. I just, you gotta be queer. You gotta be queer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just feel like I... I don't even want to try to defend us versus people who might be saying shit. I'm just like, no. It just like, has, like, such a long history. Like, femme is not a new word. Femme's no. not a new word, and people treat it like it's a brand new word, and it's not. Like, femme was created kind of relative to butch, and I do think that that relationship is important. Like, whether you're talking about the connection or the distance, like, the... The relationship is inherently acknowledged by the term. That's very And true. I think that matters. Yeah. Stop taking and co-opting things from queer people. Yeah. I get it's a cute word, but, like, it's not yours. Find something else. <laughs> Unless you're ready to get down and dirty with some ladies. Yeah! <laughs> Alright. White people are not critical enough of anti-blackness to hold black people accountable. Ta-da! I don't think I have ever personally seen a case where a white person could hold a black person accountable and and not show up with some sort of Mm anti-blackness. Even if the person needed to be held accountable. That's the thing. Like, even if they were right, they will do it in an anti-black fashion. (laughs) Yes. That is, that's why it's always going to be an inner community conversation. Mm -hmm. Other black people will hold our black people accountable. White people have no business doing it because it's just like, the critical analysis is not there. It's just yeah. not there. Like, it's, it, and it's not even, 
y'all's fault because you're not black. Like, that's not your fault that you're not black and can't understand where these lines get drawn. But, like, then back up. Like, Literally just, just defer. Defer to the person whose identity is relevant to the situation. Yeah. Always. Entirely. Like, I remember, what was it? Oh, me and a, a non-black person on Facebook were talking about, like, how MLK and other, like, leaders were misogynoir. Misogynoirist? Perpetrators of misogynoir. That works. Right. And this white person came up and was like, oh, that, like, trying to hold me and this other non-black person accountable for talking down on MLK. I'm like, you don't even know what's happening right now. Like, what? it was just so weird. It's just like, y'all don't, the, the way you're trying to correct me, a black person, about my own history and ancestors, like, is crazy. Like, yeah. And, like, you don't understand that we're talking about how he was, like, ragingly misogynistic to, like, Coretta Scott King and many other women. Like, because people don't think that it's important. Like, I truly, like, I truly fear this. Yeah. People will really think factors like that aren't as important. Like, it's really a priority issue. And it's like, no. <laughs> and like, oh yeah, he was a misogynistic piece of shit to, to the actual women in his life, but he was like critical to a movement, so let's not talk about it. Right. Like, hello, can we learn the word and? Right. Like, uh, let's get it together, please. Literally. And also, second point, debatable, but that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> just. Yeah. So it's just like, I just don't. It's just not possible. If you have an issue and someone needs to be held accountable, turn it over to a black person, hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. Like that, I just, you're not going to win that. And it, 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 yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> and like, even just think about it like this, like even if there wasn't, it's like inherently, which there is like inherently a likelihood that I'm going to be more right than you simply because I'm black and you're not <laughs> like Imagine how easy it is to make mistakes when talking about race. Even I can make a mistake talking mm. about racial issues. But if I make a mistake, people are going to be compassionate about that because I'm talking about my own people. I am trying to like unpack something internalized, maybe, you know, stuff like that. But if you make the same mistake, you, you look racist. Maybe you are. <laughs> and like, do you not simply want to avoid that? Honestly, like valid. Would you not just prefer like I don't speak on stuff I don't know about because I don't want people to look at me and think I don't know stuff. True. Like, are you not embarrassed? Are you not ashamed of being <laughs> wrong and loud? <laughs> like, be wrong and quiet at least. Right. Also, also, I feel like it's practiced anyway that like if somebody is harmed, that it gets turned over and that you're not holding that person accountable because it's like. One, you have, like, go heal. Like, you're more than likely going to be activated and, like, Mm -hmm. need to take care of that. So if you're activated and also dealing with things across a racial line, Mm -hmm. that is dangerous territory. I don't know. Your issue is going to get completely invalidated because everyone's going to be very focused on you having said something racist. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I just, I don't think it works. don't think it works. Delicate. I think that if anything, you can parrot exactly what a black person has told you with credit. Right. <laughs> like that? Okay. <laughs> That's it. My next ones are yoga and meditation are appropriated. Most piercing and tattoo practices are appropriated. Oh, we're going there! And eyebrow cuts are appropriated. Yeah, yeah, yeah! 
because I really, I don't think I need to elaborate. I feel like the things that confuse people about eyebrow cuts is they think that it's a queer thing, but it's like literally a queer thing because it was a black thing and there are black queer people. Tale as old as time. And queer people <laughs> copy black queer people because they're the most stylish. You know? Like, just come on now. So eyebrow cuts just appropriated if you didn't know you didn't know consider just letting it grow back in yeah you don't need to say anything it doesn't need to be dramatic no nope. just stop looking at you hextian <laughs> literally i want to watch your content but baby that eyebrow cut pisses me off every time i hate it i really do and the thing is that i in my experience like have told people and generally they're pretty receptive that's good so it's like you're you're probably just doing it because you think it's cute like it yeah. doesn't mean that much to you just let your eyebrows right go back in me it's fine right okay also i think that there's this projection that when someone points out that something is like appropriated that it's gonna like that you're angry. Yeah. Which is also deeply anti-black. <laughs> For you to assume that my criticism means that I'm mad at you now. Ooh. But yeah. Because I fully understand how you wouldn't know. Right. Now you do. Thanks. Liter- right. <laughs> Literally, that's what, like, colonialism does. is like, erase knowledge and, into, like, mm-hmm. indigenous knowledge or practices. Like, that's what it does. Like, that's... It worked, and that's not your fault. But also, just be yeah. receptive when we're, we're telling you. Yes. Like, don't be fucking combative. Right. And I'm so glad you put eyebrow cuts, but also piercings and tattoos in there, because that mm-hmm. does not get talked about nearly enough. Why are you stretching your ears? Yeah. Why are you stretching your ears? Talk about it. That's exactly what was on my mind. Mm, child. And, like, other piercings are contentious, too. Like, I feel like I've heard a lot of black, brown, indigenous people alike. All of us, all of us stay Mm -hmm. quiet on it, to be honest. But, and I feel like white people, like, I've told a white person in my life my opinion on this. And it, like, shook them up. Like, they were were shook. I said, I'm not going to put any more details on that. But, like, it caused a lot of tension and drama because... A, they assumed I was mad at first. <laughs> and also, like, it made other people in their life also pipe up, like, yeah, actually, it's... <laughs> I don't really bring it up because, like, we're not ready for that battle, but, like, yeah. It's gonna be a battle when it happens. Because yeah. it's like... Mm. Like, if you're white, I dare you. Go go ask your brown friend how they feel about your piercings. <laughs> and tell them that they should be honest. I promise you they're gonna be like, it's a little weird. Especially, like, already with piercings and tattoos, the whole, the practice all together, around the board, mm-hmm. all indigenous practices. But especially, I feel like when people started doing the nose piercings that connected to the ear, people were like, okay. Yeah, it's, that it's was time. so. That was too. It's much. time. Like, <laughs> no, that was ridiculous. And I've seen it get so popular. That's what's what. That's what was literally on my mind when I said the last mm-hmm. thing I said. It's like you're in here. Yeah, you're just yeah. in there. <laughs> we share a brain. I get it. Because I feel like that when I saw the person I called in post about it, which is also wild, is I made it a call in, <laughs> and they turned it into <laughs> a call out. That was if you're crazy. listening, I. And not mad at you again. <laughs> but that was very silly, and I know you know that. <laughs> That's so funny. I feel like what's also important about this conversation, okay, because the the thing is, the thing about it is, when white people turn to 
black and indigenous like practices as like counterculture and trying to be like yeah i'm like rebelling and it's like you are reducing mm-hmm. a whole people's culture and like y'all yep. need to chill it's that's literally what happened with dreads like that's literally what happened with dreads is white people wanted to separate themselves from whiteness and like their well-to-do family and like all those values and looks and aesthetics and so they were like i'm gonna do something that's gonna rock the boat a little bit and it's blackness like it's, it's imitating blackness and so then also I remember when there was, like, this older woman from the church I went to, and I, like, posted, I was like, should I get my septum pierced? She's like, no, they're so ugly. It's like, see, see, you all turning it into counterculture makes it seem like you all can critique it or talk about it, and yeah. now you're just being racist. Like, it's just like... Yeah, that's nasty. The door that it opens is just not worth it. And it's just like, mm, but... Anyway. Yep. <laughs> Similar stream logic with yoga and meditation. Yep, yep. Uh, Talk about it. Chakras, all of that. Literally, these are spiritual practices, and we have very little respect for them. Like, in the West, what the heck, y'all? And uh, why are there so many white yoga instructors? Mm-mm-hmm. Because I am so interested in, like, yoga in all its aspects, including the spiritual ones, like, learning about it actually whole. And I feel like the instructors are so saturated with like white women in yoga pants and again why are they called that oh my god they were not they were not wearing no nylon and lycra back in india when this started shut up shut up (laughs) even that feels appropriate if i gotta think of something different to call yoga pants Mm -hmm. but that and also meditation like the way that people talk about meditation is really like not like a practice not like in the way that it was originally i guess conceived of yeah because i think people are cosplaying as spiritualists and they're like oh yeah like clear your mind like of all thoughts like completely brain empty and i just i'm about to go rabid like i'm just like it's completely losing that it's a meditation practice you know you might never get there and like that's not something to mourn or grieve but it's 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 so much it really is also i remember that day it was pretty i don't remember when it was in our relationship actually we've been dating so long now at this point i can no longer landmark (laughs) it but i do remember there was one day when we like learned how chakras actually work Mm -hmm. and we were like oh it it is y'all the way if you think you understand chakras you don't like i unless you were like actually from that practice and ancestry like it is so much different than the seven energy centers down the spine the or whatever. The breadth of it alone is so much more. It's really wild. It's like literally every, I don't remember, but basically there was like, it showed up in multiple places all together as one. Like it, it I can't even do it justice. Like it's it is so different. Concept, it really yeah. is. Like it's not something that you can really pinpoint down into an infographic like i mm-hmm. i don't think you all understand how bastardized the concept is like it really fucking blew my bastardized mind Bastardized is a great word like mm-hmm. yoga and meditation like these concepts like mindfulness even sometimes i think these things got very bastardized very much so yeah <laughs> and oh tattoo practices so many appropriative tattoos stop Shut getting the tribal up. tattoos oh my I god know. that's been old oh but i i'm still seeing it and i'm sick of seeing it I'm right and why are y'all, I know, okay, I don't know anybody personally, but I do see more than enough tattoos of skulls with native headdresses on them. What the yeah. fuck? What the fuck? 
What it's, the fuck? It's that, like, oh, counterculture as, like, just a marginalized people's culture. Literally. They just think that anything that's marginalized is counterculture. It's messed up. It is sick and twisted. It is sick and twisted. Sick and twisted. Sick and twisted. Sick and twisted. <laughs> sick and twisted. But yeah. Also, if you're a white person traveling to, like, the mountains of the Himalayas to go find an elder who's been doing this all their life and they're the last living tattoo traditional artist, leave that for the people of that culture. What are you doing? What are you doing bringing your American illnesses up to that woman who's been, like, what What are you doing? What are you doing? Stop it. Nasty. Stop it. Stop it. Big colonizer energy. Very true. Very true. Want to support our passion project? Become a member on Patreon today. All right. Music producers are as musically talented as composers. It's just racism and musical elitism that demotes them to SoundCloud rappers. Ooh. That almost sounded like the intro to Save a Horse or Ride a Cowboy. Oh my god! <laughs> I love that. Oh my god. I feel like this is the same conversation we had whenever I got Procreate, for example. And I said something that was definitely internalized something. Maybe ableism. But, like, basically I was like, oh, I whipped together this picture so fast, I don't know if it counts. And you're like, yeah. Just because there was a cloud tool doesn't mean you didn't draw the clouds. Yeah. It just made it faster. I'm like, huh. So, producers who, like, make beats and everything, can they read all the clefts? Probably not. I can't. And I've been doing music 20 years. I can barely read two of them. Barely. Barely read two of them. Composers read all of them, right? So, like, but that's, they can work with multiple instruments in the software. Mm -hmm. They can quantize things to different degrees of the beats and everything. And, like, maybe they don't understand the theory behind it all, but they are working with it daily. And, they're yeah. wor- and maybe they do understand that they're... See, even the assumption that they don't understand and that they're just playing around with these things, like, on some level, they have to understand it. Yeah. But the composers out here getting awards and things, and then the person we're laughing at, we're like, oh, there's a SoundCloud rapper. They're doing the same thing. They are working with multiple instruments, multiple layers, deciding who comes in where, at what volume, and balancing all of it to create something. It's the exactly. same job. It's just racism and musical elitism that gives them different connotations. I feel like it's almost like knowing the proof versus just knowing the formula because both people can solve the problem. Right. But one of them knows like a different level of how the formula works, but that doesn't mean the other person doesn't adequately like have all the skills necessary for solving the problem just as well even. Very true. Yeah. And it's also like I think You know, I think there's also this big discourse of, like, does music theory hinder creativity? Like, does learning too much theory actually make you too rigid and make you be less able to be creative because you're stuck in these confines, right? And I do think it it provides a case that, like, people who don't, who aren't burdened with a theory and literally just get to explore and learn these things innately and, like, intuitively, like, they don't have any restrictions, like, people who, like, get colonized by Western ideas of music and elitism. Like, it does lead to more creative things in general, like... I mean, composers are only composing orchestral music. Like, that's literally... Yeah, there's that, too, is that music theory, like, when you say that, really you're saying, like, something specific. It's literally based on, like, European trends. Yeah. Like, the music theory that we learn about typically. So it's also just 
don't know, a little racist. It is. <laughs> it really is. xenophobic. If you want more proof that music theory, that we know it in this country, is deeply Western, mm-hmm. the, the idea that major key means happy and minor key means sad. There yeah. are many cultures where wedding songs are in minor keys. But that is, like, one of the first things we teach kids in this country. Like, it is so deeply rooted in white European standards of music that it's like, y'all gotta chill. Like, y'all have got to chill. And just because somebody who's fluent in that does not mean they are more talented than people who don't know the theory behind this one facet of music theory from one side of the world. Like, shut yeah. up. Shut up. <laughs> it literally doesn't matter. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it really doesn't. You have a skill for your specific job, and that's great, but it doesn't mean that someone without that skill doing a different job than you is any less talented at their different job. Right. Exactly. I rest my case. <laughs> my next one is the school system is tool used to train kids uh, into compliance. Ooh. So Ooh. the way that the modern school system is designed has not changed in many, many years. Many. The school system's original purpose was to train kids to become adults who could work in factories. Yep. That's what school was for, and nothing has changed about it. Do Literally. you know where I'm going? Literally. Like, school does not adequately prepare people for what adulthood looks like today. It just prepares people to be compliant. Like, I saw this video on Twitter of someone, like, a teacher who was saying, oh, y'all, like, new gentle parents are causing problems because the kids that you're raising are, like, they don't respect authority, they don't do what I tell them. Like, I'll tell them to sit down and they'll be like, no. And she was, like, telling the story about this girl who, like, wouldn't sit in her seat. And in the whole story, nowhere does she say she asked the child why she didn't want to sit there right like nowhere in the story did she say why not yeah because imagine if she just asked that maybe she would have had a valid reason like school has literally groomed all of us into continuing to consent to this like this person and all the people in the comments were feeling justified in being like mad that this little girl asserted boundaries and in fact also villainized the parent for being on her child's side when they had a meeting later because later they had a meeting and the mother was like well why are you trying to make her sit somewhere she doesn't want to sit and this person telling the story was literally talking about that like it was wrong of her like to be on her kid's side why is that weird i don't get it that's actually amazing right so it's yeah and it's literally, the more you piece it apart, like, the hours of school, why is it 7 a.m.? Explain that. working adult hours. Yeah. Why are they taking home work to, to home? Mm-hmm. Homework. Like, literally, it's to break down those boundaries of bringing work home. Like, that, it's all literally at the service of getting kids ready for capitalism. Like. And it's horrible because it doesn't even successfully do that anymore because it all looks different now. Why are lunches 20 minutes? 20 minutes? That is not enough time. No, and it's like, if I'm sitting at home with the food already ready, maybe, but, like, they gotta go through the lines, they gotta pay for lunches. Like, let's talk about that. They're children, and you're demanding yeah, they be there. why did I have school debt? Why did I have school debt <laughs> right. when I was a child? Hello? Like, you're, by law, they have to be there or get labeled as a truant, but you're not feeding them? Explain that. Yeah. So it's just, like, you're already opening up the conversation of debt and, like, 
bringing work home from school, the suspensions if you don't follow the rules. Like, it's just, like, all of that. It, it doesn't look good. Like, there's... Yeah. Ugh, I don't like it. And there's also the, the first time I actually understood math, like, had math click for me was when I had a teacher who made a point of saying, you will pass this class even if you do no homework ever at all. Like, the homework Ooh. is always optional. You will definitely pass. Ooh. And you will also definitely pass the AP test. And it was true. There were people who were like, yeah, I'm going to elect to never do homework ever. And they all passed the AP exam still. But if you did do the homework, like, I got a perfect score on the AP exam. But, like, that's, it was nice that I was consenting to it, if that makes sense. Like, he was like, yeah, I'm giving you literally all of the information you need. Like, if you want to get good, you do literally have to practice. There's no avoiding it. Like, here are some drills if you want to do them. Yeah. So it's just... Oh, and there were people who just naturally could determine for themselves they didn't need to do drills and still did great because children are people and they can evaluate their own skill levels and these are things that are actual adult skills that you need, like the ability to evaluate whether you can do something, the ability to know when you are good at something, Mm. when you're bad at something, when you need help. These are skills that children come out of school with, like, zero. Zero yeah. of them. It's terrifying. And also, also, as somebody with an arm disability, having kids do repetitive homework problems as a requirement is deeply ableist. Mm. Like, no. Or at least doing it unaccommodated. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that's a pedagogy thing, is it can't be an afterthought, right? Like, when you're making the lesson plan, you need to have it in mind that there are students in your class who can, like need an assignment a different way so you can simply assign an assignment like blanket that works for everybody or make any necessary accommodations but yeah they don't care enough they don't and like literally that was the majority of the beef i had with teachers with Mm -hmm. trying to get my iep like was the fact that they would assign homework that was not accessible and then get mad when i couldn't or wouldn't do it like it was just like like have you considered helping right Like, I was a student teacher for a while, working with another teacher, and they just never accommodated this one student in our class who needed to use a screen reading program, and so their assignments simply needed to be in PDF format. It wasn't even that deep, okay? Like, it just needed to not be a Word document. It needed to be PDF. Yeah. So this teacher just never never thought to convert the assignments in advance and so he simply didn't do them and i respected the hell out of that she'd be like can you go tell him to do xyz and i'd be like okay and i'd be like do you want to do the assignment he'd be like no like that's valid but yeah just move on because i'm not gonna harass you Mm -hmm. you make sense to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and eventually i started like converting documents and also his one on one person started converting documents like it needed to be a collaborative effort because just the lead teacher wouldn't just do it when she made the assignments in the first place and that honestly that happened to me in multiple classes like that was not uncommon it's not uncommon for teachers especially in the area where we live to just not care they just don't give a damn sometimes it's so true uh, it's very stressful i know you're overworked i know you're <laughs> tired but please care about the children so true or find a different job <laughs> that too i also remember my junior year i was in 
AP US history. Mm-hmm. And he would want us to not only go home and take notes for homework, but we'd have to turn in our notes and get our notes graded. And I was like, I can't do that much writing night after night. And so this was one of the times I got in trouble. And so the accommodation was that I would highlight, like he would print out the chapters of the book and I would just highlight the important information to know that I'm picking up the correct info. That's not the same experience at all. It's not. But then when I went to go get the photocopy chapters, he's like, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. Which is my other point. that (laughs) He just decided the assignment didn't matter anymore. Which makes me think about the other connection to work requirements right like if you have a job that says you have to lift 50 pounds Mm -hmm. and it's like how often are you gonna be lifting 50 pounds probably never but they put it in there like it's just like the all the deeply ableist things they'll put in and say you have to do this and then when you ask to get it accommodated they're like oh it actually doesn't matter we just put that in there like but yeah and it's like i literally had one teacher who wouldn't force me to like do the timed essays because he knew I would get time and a half anyway. He's like, there's no mm-hmm. reason for you to have to write an essay in an hour. Like, I'm not going to do that to you. Like, yeah. <laughs> just one reasonable teacher. Okay, my last one is that the word transgender centers how cis people label and view us and is not very authentic to the experience at all. Ooh. Yeah, I can, I, I can agree with that. Yeah. I can't say I've thought about it before, though. Yeah, there was like one day I was sitting there, I was like, you know, if you like were born out in the woods, right and you're raised by wolves like your gender existed the minute like right like we've all talked about we are oh trans oh my gosh it's the tree falling in the wood well, <laughs> but basically like and so like you know these wolves come and adopt you and they have no they've imparted no idea of like what human gender would mean for you right like your gender was going to manifest however it was going to manifest and like the only reason people get labeled as trans is because they were perceived and labeled one way first. And mm-hmm. when they came out, then people were like, oh, you changed. It's like, but nothing changed. Yeah. Just the perception of the person based on something you labeled them before they could speak on their experience. Yeah, that's wild. So. So Mowgli from the Jungle Book. What is Mowgli's gender? Trans rights! Trans rights! <laughs> the Jungle Book is just a trans activist. Yeah! <laughs> Like, Mowgli's probably, I mean, I don't know. I'd have to, I, I didn't Because he was raised by, mm-hmm. was he raised by? He's been raised by wolves. Oh, yeah, he was raised by wolves. Literally. So, what is his gender? Probably just. I feel like Mowgli only had a gender once, exactly. you know, it got little imposed or reimposed. Yeah. Exactly. So, mm. yeah, I just, you know, I, I once I realized that, I was like, damn, trans doesn't actually mean anything to me. Like. Ta-da. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, That's I don't know. true. And, you know, now that you say that, I do feel like I have always preferred using terms like genderful. Like, if you've, like, mm-hmm. seen promotional materials, like, sometimes instead of saying I'm trans, I'll say I'm, like, genderful or, like, gender expansive because I like that better than trans. But I would have never been able to pinpoint, like, why I didn't like trans as much. But I think that's exactly it, is that I don't like that it's not, it doesn't feel like it's about me, it feels like it's about... Exactly. Like, how other people are seeing me. I felt like I, like, thought of that, and I was like, I deserve to be right there next to Plato and Socrates. Like, I fucking <laughs> ate with that. Like, uh, I was so proud of myself. Like, Judith Butler. Oh, Judith yes, Butler who? Judith but Butler. <laughs> well, honestly, like, when I said the, the tree in the woods thing, it's, like, literally the same thing, because it's... 
if a tree falls in the woods and there's no one around to hear it, did it make a sound? Like, if a baby's born in the woods and there's no one around to gender them, do they have a gender? That too. It's literally the same question because both questions are about perception and things that are, like, perception relative. So, yeah. Philosophy. Philosophy. <laughs> okay. My last one. I think this is nice and brief. I think that we should take the following words away from the general public. Let's go! Toxic. Oh! White passing. Oh! 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 oh. <laughs> Gaslights. Intrusive thoughts. Although, I'm sorry. If you don't have, like, kind of at least a basic knowledge of psychology, I'm gonna need you to stop using these words until you have researched them further. Please cease and desist. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> right. I'm also sorry I went literally apeshit in the middle of that, but like, <laughs> just so many. Oh my god. It's white passing, y'all especially. Aren't using it right. Yeah. Like, firstly, like, white passing. Cha. Ooh. You, the way that I feel like I've been seeing people call clearly Asian and clearly indigenous people, like, white passing, like, literally brown people, white passing. I'm like, what are y'all on? I don't understand. And then conversely, full on white people who will call themselves white passing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do y'all understand? The concept of passing required effort like years yep. of effort require like when you talk about a black person passing back in the day they were cutting themselves off from their family they were watching the color of who they married in case the baby came out black so they can explain it they were like there were so many things that went into it yeah. that if you put in no effort to the passing it's not an action verb babe you're just white like i don't yeah we're, just we're not white. It's, again, a perception thing. Like, how are people seeing you and perceiving you and to what ease? Like, I will stay on this soapbox. I think that Kiki Cocaine is a perfect example of someone who's white passing. Because they take that wig off, and they're clearly a black person. But when they're fully dressed and they've got a straight hair wig on and all of that, like, it's it's giving white woman. Right. But that required effort, right? As soon as that effort's taken away, like, no makeup, no hair done, like, that's clearly a, a, a multiracial person. Right. Like, and I do know also, so that y'all don't come for me, that they have been wearing, like, wigs less often and stuff, which I'm glad for, so. <laughs> but, yeah, like, imagine, like, Back in the day, like, OG PP cocaine. Right. So, yeah. And you were exactly in my brain, because I was, like, just thinking about that. Like, people who are, like, light-skinned or racially ambiguous, putting on a wig and being white-passing is a whole thing. Versus, like, choosing to embrace features about yourself and, like, not going under the radar right that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just, like, for white people who have ancestry that is mixed, but they are clearly a white person calling themselves white-passing, mm-hmm. it just... it makes my ass itch you're using a whole brown person in your line that probably got there with nefarious ways to claim that you are somehow not white like let's not fucking do that and it's nasty yeah also while we're on it not every lie is being gaslit oh let's talk about it gaslighting is when someone refutes your reality right like i am asserting this is real and you assert that it's not that's very 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 basic okay you should really do your own research and consider just not using this term if you don't like if you're sitting there like 
what do you mean there could be more nuance to this definition? You already need to go. Yeah. <laughs> Stop using this term immediately and look into it. Because, like, and as a whole history, like, I'm pretty sure the even the term is from, like, a story? It's from a movie. Oh, yeah. So it's, like, the context matters. Like, yeah. yes, there's deception, but it's not just a synonym for lie. Yes. And that's how y'all are using it, and I need it to stop. Correct. Correct. What were the other two words that you said? Toxic and... Oh, yeah. Toxic. Just because, like, I think that people often label people as toxic when they personally have difficulty with them or when you are trying to not label this person as abusive. So either you're condemning this person Mm -hmm. for being quote-unquote toxic or you are not accepting that someone was literally abusive to you and you're trying to use a smaller word. That's true. Like, please be honest with yourself. And I do, I know I'm guilty of that entirely. There are relationships that'll be like, oh, I don't know if they're abusive, so I'll just say toxic. But if I really unpacked it, it was probably just abusive. Like, just, no. Like, Like, were they abusing you? That was abusive. Right. The relationship was abusive. And, like, what are toxins? Like, what are you talking about? Right. I just don't understand. Valid. Valid. So, you're right. You're right. And on the other end, like, you can't just claim that every interpersonal conflict happened because of the other person. Sometimes Mm -hmm. the responsibility is shared. Sometimes people are just not compatible and there isn't chemistry. Like, things happen. But I just feel like the person who calls everybody toxic, like, often is telling a story where they're the villain. (laughs) Yeah, 1000%. And then the last one, which I think is the most irritating to me, is intrusive thoughts. Specifically the phrase, my intrusive thoughts one. I was just thinking about that. And this is like, I don't want to get into too many details because I don't want to go to a triggering place with this, but as someone who experiences psychosis, like, I am a mad person, I have intrusive thoughts, the thought is not intrusive if it is in line with how you actually feel and believe. Okay, that's not intrusive, that's maybe, like, an impulse, you know, like, maybe it's something you cannot suppress, it's bubbling up for you, that's fair, but if it's a way you truly and actually feel, that's not an intrusive thought, like, Intrusive thoughts are things that literally are intruding you. They're not ways that you earnestly feel about anything. They're not things that you want to do. That's why the care for intrusive thoughts is to remind yourself that they're intruding and that's not the person that you are. And the conflation of an intrusive thought with like just a difficult thought or a flashback or something like that Mm -hmm. is really harmful to people who experience psychosis because it makes it seem like our intrusive thoughts are ways that we feel or things that we want to do because you think that your intrusive thoughts are like you know like you're so people who for example like there are people who have been like abused by certain people and so like they have intrusive thoughts that maybe make them like biased against them or like xenophobic like if someone of a certain race traumatized you and so you have an intrusive thought when you see people of that race mm. it's and it's not because you're racist it's because you were traumatized and it's not a way you actually feel and you wouldn't act on anything and like when you actually think about like your feelings on race it is completely different like that's intrusive yeah it is something that you feel that's not like it's something you're being forced to feel it's an intruder and i think that that distinction is important like, as someone who has intrusive thoughts, it's really hard to even talk about them because 
I know that people are going to hear that term and be like, oh, this is a way that Harley feels. Like, this is a fear that Harley has or, like, a genuine worry, but it's mm. literally just made up. So, yeah, impulses are not intrusions. So if you do something impulsive, it's not the intrusive thoughts winning. Just the very thought of the intrusive thought winning implies it's, it's something real about you when it's not. Right. And it's just like, you're saying that for like dyeing your hair red. It's like, if somebody told me, like, I'm imagining my intrusive thoughts. And if somebody told me that their intrusive thoughts won, and I'm thinking that's what I'm thinking, I'm like, whoa, like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, like, it's just like, that's not... That's really terrifying. Like, intrusive thoughts are not fucking cute. They're not dyeing your hair red. They're not, like, they are scary. Like. Yeah. It, and they're they're very shameful. To, like, you're right. Like, they are very shameful to talk about. Like, like it's quite like. Quite frankly, if you're not feeling ashamed, it's probably not an intrusive thought. If yeah. The, if the thought is not bringing you, like, guilt and shame for thinking it, it was not intrusive. Right. Exactly. Sorry. Exactly. If you're like, ooh, what a cute little thought. I'm gonna let it win. Like, No. That's... Or, like, even if you're just distressed, like, if the feeling isn't shame, it's not intrusive. Like, I want mm-hmm. to get this across. Like, even if it's serious, like, even if it's not dying, even if you're, like, like, suicide, for example, is often considered an intrusive thought. It's not. Oh, That's not intrusive. You Oop. are distressed. You want to take action. You need to take action about your distress. Yeah. That's not intrusive. It's a way you really feel. It's serious. It's not a, it's not a state you should maintain but it's not an intrusive thought. It's not intrusive because it is connected to you and your actual desires. Like, please speak hear me on in it. This. Speak on it! Like, intrusive thoughts are literally not your desires. Like, they're normally the opposite of what you would want to do or what you would do in the grand scheme of reality. Like, I feel like I'm trying to think of, like, a not super wild intrusive thought to share, like, for an example. Like, I, I've been struggling. <laughs> Like, I'm um, breaking something expensive, for example, mm. okay? Like, I have a, a TV that I enjoy and an Xbox that I enjoy. They are very nice items. Sometimes I'm like, what if I just took the Xbox and I threw it? <laughs> I don't want to do that. I like my Xbox. <laughs> I like my Xbox. It's literally important to me. I would never do that. I would never do that, even if I was, like, super angry even in the heat of the moment i would never pick up my xbox and throw it if it was within the realm of possibility that i'd ever pick up my xbox and throw it that would not be an intrusive thought it'd right. be an impulse like do you see what i'm saying right thank you yes and so magnify that times a thousand for a shameful thought like yes. it's just like <laughs> no you don't it's it's not dying your hair red babe shut up it's not shut up it's not baking chocolate chip cookies at 3 a.m shut up i hate you i hate you fuck wow what a fun episode yeah so good (laughs) what a journey i love it thank you so much for joining us and for putting noodles in your chili we'll be back (laughs) we're gonna box I imagine with some of the celebrations and things coming up, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, also, you didn't hear from us last week. It's because we didn't feel it. Yes. Thank you. We're hot and pretty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, we'll see y'all when we feel like it. <laughs>
Thanks for joining us for another episode. Think you can handle more? Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Coming Out Evil. Our website also has merch, sources, and our original villainy workbook available to download. Check it out at allmylinks.com slash comingoutevil. You can support our evil doing on Patreon, where patrons get exclusive access to bloopers, extended cuts, live streams, and so much more. You can also tip us on Cash App at Yeehaw Howdy and Mixedusa. Stay evil and we'll see you next time. What do you think of this episode? Leave a review.